0: He didn't scramble to get his cabinet together when we had millions of people illegally pouring across the southern border. He didn't scramble to get his cabinet together when you had 43, 53 migrants die in some trailer in Texas because they were neglected by the federal government. It's only when you have 50 illegal aliens. End up in a very wealthy, rich sanctuary enclave that he decides
1: to scramble on. This
2: we are now entering the home stretch ahead of the midterm elections. From months, political analysts have said a red wave is coming. A referendum on inflation, illegal
0: immigration, indoctrination. How are Democrats mitigating that
1: red wave?
0: It's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives, and so we disabuse you of those narratives. You and I have
1: a rendezvous
3: with destiny. Welcome back appreciate- to the Ruthless Variety program. Uh listen, inject that Desantis speech into my vein. I mean, that is that's the battle cry. That's it right there. Oh, it's so good. The hypocrisy
4: good. is 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 just like so open for everyone to see. Outstanding yeah. work.
0: Well, you know, I, I, there are some people and I think you know, even Republicans were sort of accepting this narrative that, um, you know, while sending these migrants to Martha's Vineyard, like like Ron DeSantis did, this was some sort of stunt. And I mean... Not a stunt at all. Not a stunt at like, all. Republicans were accepting this there, narrative? I saw
3: some... I, I know what you saw. Yeah. I saw some, like, Twitter traffic yes. where people were, like, speculating about playing politics oh. with people. Hmm.
1: I, I've never been to Martha's Vineyard.
4: It's like <laughs> it's, Have you guys been to Martha's I've never been
3: can there. We, I'd can like we get, for
1: somebody to can take we get me names there. names
4: on any Republicans who are, who are saying anything like that? Because if you want to know about playing politics is I remember during the debate of uh, the Dems when they were having their presidential debates, every single person on stage raised their hands. It was like, yes, open the border. We're right. wide open. We will give you healthcare. We'll give you education for free. That's playing politics with immigration. That's well, not enforcing right, the right. laws of the United States and, of America. And, and it's
0: not a stunt to reveal the contradictions of the world that the left pretends like they want exactly. us to live in. Right? 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 That oh well you know what no no person is illegal. Sanctuary cities are are great. Yeah. Well, okay, how about we drop it on your doorstep, see how you figure it I out. I mean, like Oh, suddenly it's a stress on your social services. The oh, try being a fucking public school in a border town. Yeah, exactly. Okay? We become the new Ellis Island in this country. It's absurd. And the liberals who live on this coast have no idea, no idea what these communities None. go through. None. So I don't want to hear this bullshit about it being a stunt. It wasn't a stunt. It's the reality for millions of Americans who live on this border. So,
3: you're hundred percent right. I mean look, it just makes me so angry so ready
4: for this episode's going to be so
3: fire. The, well the, the I mean the bottom line that you're getting to which is 100% correct is that liberals are just exceedingly generous with other people's money. Yeah. Yep. Right.
4: As long as it does not inconvenience them. As long as it doesn't inconvenience them.
3: But it's not even, it's not even so much as that. So if this is happening in somebody else's state, if it's happening in Texas. Yeah. Right, where it's happening. Roll out the welcome oh, mat. Then the answer from Kamala Harris is the border, the border is, secure, is super secure, right? Right. But as soon as these guys start shipping folks to New York, DC, and now Martha's Vineyard, we have a border security problem. And, and it's super... so is it is a stunt? And, and that now they recognize that we have a border security. Like it seems to me that might be the most single and most effective thing right. that any governor it has is. done. Yes. In on this issue We're in so- history,
0: suddenly having a national conversation about the crisis at our southern border. Yeah. Like it Mil- impacts millions of people people are dying it's a humanitarian crisis but it doesn't fucking matter the New York Times until it's on the shores of Martha's Vineyard oh
4: my god I'm so ready for this episode Damn, it's <laughs> <so good. laughs> this is gonna be such a good one well it's nice
3: to have the band back together and I feel like I'm operating on like half power because I've been running around like an idiot here for the last week so I appreciate but you guys doing, and, a, like, doing yeah. important work shout out right? Holmes yeah. yeah. going
4: out there to help get us another Senate seat out in Nevada we're Let's doing go. our
3: best we're doing our very best and it's looking good out there uh, happy to report but back to today's program we have karina lipsman who you probably haven't heard of because it hasn't she hasn't shown up in that like top tier of districts where all of our guests Mm -hmm. basically reside she's a a candidate in northern virginia which is like a d plus 20 district but she's a very interesting person in the kind of republican that you need To run in those kind of districts to make things interesting, or you will never have any change. I I,
4: I got a preview from Ashbrook about this interview, and it's going to be a banger. She's great to be a banger.
3: She's great. She's absolutely terrific. So she's on. Uh, So let's just get back to to immigration. Let's go. Second, right? The backdrop to this whole nonsense, you Mm. may remember last year. This is a calendar year. This is
4: very key and and very important for everyone to
3: recall. Twenty-six Republican governors, led by governors. Ducey and Abbott issued a joint letter to President Joe Biden requesting a meeting within 15 days to discuss the crisis at the southern border. As we surpass now more than eight months, uh, it, it, let me just do this. Before I get into the substance of the letter, let's talk about the governors that were on this. Letter. Yes. This is not like a conservative like CPAC festival. I mean, we're talking about everybody from Governor Baker. In Massachusetts, mm-hmm. Governor Hogan, in Maryland, I mean, we're, we're talking about basically every single Republican governor across this country, which is
4: huge. Which is huge, and, and and it shows the importance of winning in purple or in blue states. Because what ends up happening is you get a conservative in there, and they try to hold the line, and it's very important. Like the, the there is a paper trail now of these governors, including the governor of Massachusetts, who's a Republican saying to Joe Biden, this is a crisis. Do anything. We're giving you 15, de- like 15 days. I mean, there's a chance that Biden flew to like Rehoboth twice in those 15 days. So, give, us, give us one meeting to tell you about how bad this crisis so is.
1: So they sent Biden a letter saying there's a crisis. Please help us. Last year. And he didn't say anything? Nothing. Last year. Nothing. Last year. You got to be kidding. They
3: asked for a meeting within 15 days. It's been a year, and they haven't heard back. Right. And well, he, he does have a
1: stutter. Maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. he's just oh, not 100%. been able to get that. He's still working
3: it on it. Right. But Bracketman should be able to help him out with that. <laughs> so the biggest problem that that these guys have, and this is where I find the whole transport to Martha's Vineyard so ridiculous in in the charge that it's somehow inhumane. Yeah. What they're concerned about is that the federal government has been moving people mm-hmm. in the dead of the night for a calendar year into the communities that these people are responsible for. And so, like, they're concerned. They're saying, like, let's have an open conversation about how you want to deal with this. They haven't heard back. And now when one governor makes a move to move it to another state, uh, all of a sudden now it's a humanitarian I saw
1: a stat today from the FAA that as many as 400,000 people have been moved within the last year.
3: Amazing. That, it, yeah, that's it, that's it, the thing. Is
4: like the Biden administration has flown illegal migrants all across the country, uh, and a lot of it to red states. A ton of it to red states. Being like, hey, listen, you deal with the problem. Shut the hell up.
0: That's the funniest thing about all this smug is if you follow some of the Twitter traffic on this, you have these like dipshit liberal lawyers who are like reading statutes oh, about yeah. about kidnapping, kidnapping. I saw that. you know, that that they're going to get Merrick Garland to indict uh, Ron DeSantis. And it's like, yo, bro, uh, Joe
4: Biden would be the first one guilty <laughs> but, of this <laughs> to me. Here's the thing is so like, you know, as has been reported by reputable organizations, every single one of these people. Who got on that plane to Martha's Vineyard signed off? We're told you're going to, you want to go to Martha's Vineyard? Absolutely. They signed off on it. We're 100 aware where they're headed, and all of a sudden it's human trafficking. Okay, Joe Biden has spent his entire administration flying illegal migrants across this country to various towns, and 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 red state border towns have bared the brunt. Well, of, of an it's, open it's, border.
1: It's true. They're, one of the guys who signed this letter, the governor of Tennessee, is a man named Bill Lee. He was apparently did a radio interview where he just said, hey, we got a border problem in this country. I want a president to do something about it. The next day, a plane load of migrants shows up in Knoxville. No.
4: no.
1: Not kidding. This was in the reporting yeah. So, I
3: mean, that's what's happening here. But, like, Bill Malugin is basically the only one that covers this. This mm-hmm. guy from mm-hmm. Fox. He's doing a great
4: job. He, I mean, it such a great job.
3: Terrific. And I saw him post something uh, yesterday that was like the federal government still has not released the August numbers for how many people that they've actually transported away from the the border, which clearly they're concealing Mm -hmm. stuff, which is...
0: Dude, and people are just like walking around now. I saw some video, I think it was from him, of just like, you know, a a huge amount of
3: migrants just basically walking down a highway. Yeah, they're just like hanging out, right? So, but his reporting also indicates the Democrat-led city of El Paso, of course, that's a Texas border town, has transported 2,365 migrants on 51 buses to New York City since August 23rd. Seven more buses heading to New York City left El Paso yesterday. The city signed a contract worth up to $2 million with a bus company to continue this, right? So again, if you're talking about DeSantis doing Mm -hmm. something irresponsible, well, you're going to have to talk to a lot of people, right?
4: I mean, and that's the thing is, is... it was okay for Dems. It's okay, like they will put their little yard sign up of in this house. We believe that no right. one is illegal unless you show up to my vacation community. And yeah. then all of a sudden, it's crisis. We need the National Guard. We were they put up a GoFundMe. This is, is to me, it's horrific and ghoulish. One of the most wealthy communities in this country put up a GoFundMe to deal with
3: their migrants to meal to,
4: to, to 50. 50, Fifty migrants, and they're like, "Holy shit!" Everybody across this country, open up your wallets, <laughs> for God's it- sake! I have, a, I have a five million dollar beach house
1: yeah exactly, I, exactly exactly somebody's exactly. gotta
4: pay for this problem
3: think about in
4: in this home we believe in uh everyone else paying for my problem and shipping these people out with the national guard <laughs>
3: it's tougher to hang over the the you know yeah like you can't get that in the kitchen but think yeah. about
1: how many think about think about how many empty rental homes there are in martha's vineyard in september and the, this mayor is sending people to New York. Have you seen videos of what's happening in New York lately? There's this video over the weekend of a guy swinging a hatchet. In oh, a I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, that. Nothing's safe about Manhattan right now. <laughs> and they're send, the Democrats are sending them to Manhattan. The Republicans <laughs> send them to a nice place. Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's the difference. It's just, you
1: know,
0: just <laughs> Repu- Re- Republicans are just participating in the system that Joe Biden has set up.
3: But you, you, you recall. The beginning of all of this was Governor Abbott who started saying, like, I'm sending him to D.C. Yeah. Right? If you're not going to admit that that I've got a problem on the Texas border, then I'm going to send you my problem. Right. And then we'll see. And, of course, shortly thereafter, the mayor of D.C. issues a national national emergency. This is a humanitarian
4: crisis. Yeah, it becomes
3: all this stuff. And so, look, I think we've said it, but really, the only people who are being humanitarian in this conversation— are Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis because what they're doing beyond sending people to places that have the capacity to deal with them, which they don't have at the border, is bringing attention to idiots. They are sounding the alarm. Who will not deal with it. They say over and over again there is no border crisis. They said it for four Mm -hmm. years under Trump. They've now said it for two years under Biden. There is no border crisis. Keep sending them keep sending them until yep. they say there is a border crisis maybe yeah. maybe at some point when the hamptons become super shitty right. because they're overrun with impoverished people looking for a place to live then we will figure out how to close the border or, or, or right? maybe yeah. some
0: of these democratic senate candidates will change their tune it's not just kamala harris saying we have a secure border catherine cortez masto in nevada says we have a secure border she
4: says it's open or it's not open
3: yeah i mean they all fundamentally right. believe that like right.
4: there 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 are more illegal migrants entering this country in an hour than have ever been sent to Martha's vineyard okay <laughs> they can like for for that community to be like oh yes we are we you know we will happily provide a sanctuary right like, they put up a sign they'll put up that sign whether like in this community, we do not believe in bigotry, and no yeah. one is illegal, and then like within 24 hours, like uh <laughs> yeah, National the National Guard get him the fuck out of here. I like thinking of that kitchen sign,
0: Holmes, <laughs> as like live, laugh, <laughs> donate, donate, yeah, don't deport, <laughs>
3: donate to our GoFundMe to
0: deport the migrants.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, in the first 10 months, this is according to CBS News, in the first 10 months of the fiscal year 2022, Border Patrol agents along the Mexico border reported more than 1.8 million apprehensions, a new record high that will like, likely surpass 2 million when the 2023 starts in October, according and, to the figures. And the importance
4: of that uh, you know, that statistic is the vast majority are not apprehended, vast as we've majority. seen. And, and, so and, if 2 million have been apprehended, how many do you think have made it through?
3: But back to your original point, Smug, which is the true <laughs> humanitarian crisis here was the invitation that Joe Biden and all of his Democratic candidates provided Mm -hmm. to the entire world outside of the United States, come here, we will take care of you.
4: And, And when news organizations interviewed these migrants who showed up on Martha's Vineyard, and they're like, we were told the border is open and for us to come here.
1: Kamala Harris said the exact same thing when she was running for president and then vice president. And a group of migrants showed up outside of the Naval Observatory last week, and she didn't do anything. Nope, literally, nope, she didn't nope. even buy him a Lido's pizza. She just <laughs> rolled right past him in her giant motorcade mm-hmm. down to the White House to do absolutely nothing, and then walked went all the way back home. She she didn't do anything.
3: Let's let, so I think we've covered the substance of this. Let's talk the politics of it, okay? Because here's the other thing that I I just absolutely love about Ron DeSantis. His ability to dictate the terms of debate in this country yep. has really, it really become something. It's impressive.
4: That's a, a hell of a skill.
3: That's I mean, a hell of a skill. There is nobody. We just covered the stats. There's two million people that, that were apprehended and, at and the especially
4: border. Especially for him, who basically right now he has become public enemy number one for the media, for the Dems, doing everything they can to just be like, oh, God, this guy's a human trafficker. And... and he completely dictates the terms of
0: engagement. Well, and, and and even better than that, he forces the other side to take the bait. They, right? have, to the they
3: bait. have to take the bait. They have
0: to take the bait. And it it reveals the contradictions. It mm-hmm. reveals the contradictions in their worldview. You've got like, do you guys see that tweet from NBC News? Uh, no, a what, quote, oh, quote oh yeah. Was quote quote about the, tra- the dumping trash in other people's community. What? Yes. Like they like, compared
4: yes. migrants to trash. Right. NBC News. They're right. like, oh wait, shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. They just we made, shouldn't have been honest about how we feel. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think they were quoting an, a lib activist. Uh huh.
4: But, the, who, who, but it tells you how they it,
0: actually think about these
4: people. When NBC News is like, oh, shit, the optics will look bad for our side. Right. They're pulled Because they're fine.
0: Because here's the, the dirty little secret. They're fine. With the humanitarian crisis, two thousand five hundred miles away, red that's state. somebody else's problem. They're yeah. fine with these people drowning to death in the Rio Grande yeah. as long as it never comes to their doorstep. They don't. They don't give a
3: shit. And that, and that's the point that we've made all along. For anybody who's listened to this show for the, the last year, there is nothing humanitarian about an open border. There just isn't. It's the
4: exact opposite. It's the exact. Of it's
3: the exact opposite. I mean, what we're dealing with is not just a border crisis and an inconvenience on American taxpayers. That's what Democrats would like this debate to be about. What What they don't want to talk about is the coyotes, mm-hmm. the human trafficking, the raping, the killing, the murdering of children, the the Drugs. unbelievable opioid incursion into this country that are killing kids across this country. Like they don't want to talk about any of that shit. They want to make it this all about I
4: mean, the statistics but, like uh, it was something like uh 50% of of girls and women who who try to make this trip with coyotes and such. Their families will buy them plan B because it's almost guaranteed God, that's that so you're going depressing. to be raped. I mean, it's that horrific. And, is and horrific. this is allowed and encouraged when you have the entire Democrat party in lockstep raising their hands being like the border's open. Come here. I will grant you a better life. I will pay for your health care. I will pay for your education. Of course, that's going to encourage an open border situation where these people will seek anything they can if they've been promised, oh, we'll give you anything. And then what happens is the road there is hell. It's hell on earth. And they, they, they're absolutely OK with it until they have to deal with the consequences.
1: Well, Democrats are just... Horrible for a variety of reasons, but they're especially horrible to Hispanic and Latino voters. And we have seen a rapid movement away from Democrats among that uh, voting demographic in our country. And I think that calling them trash, calling them breakfast tacos, whatever Democrats do. It's horrific. Whatever Democrats do to overlook them or demean them is really not Working out.
3: Well, the bills well for come due, right? The bills come due, and the, the charge is being led by the Hispanic community themselves, right? Right? They are the ones who are tired of it. Are watching these these people exploit their community, try to pretend as though they're on their side, meanwhile treating their people like absolute, as they say, garbage.
4: And right. I think it's very telling of of this kind of realignment which has happened in the parties, where it's very clear that the Democrat Party is this corporate interest you know journal kind of an entity which which exists for their little like slogans and, and whatever right right they'll, they'll, they'll be like hey we're celebrating Latinx month when like 90% of Latinos are like do not fucking call us <laughs> they don't care they yeah. don't care you know they, they've got their corporate sponsorships and so when they are like oh my god I go to I go to a beach at uh, uh, Martha's Vineyard every summer how can they allow 50 of these individuals there It's unconscionable.
3: You want to hear how the journals reacted to this? Absolutely. Please,
1: please.
3: So CNN had this just absolutely amazing deal. CNN, uh, here's the title. They enriched us. Migrants' 44-hour visit leaves indelible mark on Martha's Vineyard. (laughs)
4: They Enriched us, it was a
1: heroic 40-
3: indelible mark. The people it was of Vine- a harrowing 44 hours. <laughs> the people of Martha's Vineyard literally deported these people to right. the Air Force base right. within 44 hours, yeah. and they say they enriched us. We were touched, we were
1: really touched. And, you know
4: <laughs> and this is the thing so, like, so, like, uh, uh you know, we earlier, earlier, we were like, oh, yes, you know, the it's insane for libs to be like, DeSantis should be charged with like human trafficking. My worry is that, like, this is such a deranged administration at this point where they can try to make 44 hours seem like a a harrowing experience. They're GoFundMe (laughs) on 44 hours, right? And, 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 And they have such a, like, stranglehold on the Justice Department. Why not? Why wouldn't they take a crack at DeSantis, especially during election year? We've seen they don't give a shit about, like, I think, it's an election year. I think let's try to remain kosher.
3: They, they'll, they'll bring up any charges that they can. I think it's in large part because of of Duncan's point, which is if they're going to start having a, turning a dim view on this sort of thing, the president of the United States would be first in line on right. deportation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but listen, there's more. Washington Post uh, opinion talks about... What Greg oh. Abbott and Ron DeSantis don't understand about America. Oh, wow. <laughs> NPR, the migrants flown to Martha's Vineyard have left, but their stories continue. Well,
1: you know what NPR didn't do that, <laughs> that the Ruthless Variety Program has just done? We have done an a search on Airbnb.com, popular app for uh, finding rooms mm-hmm, <laughs> for tonight. I just searched Martha's Vineyard. Mm-hmm to see how many rooms might be available for tonight. What do you know? There are 75.
3: Wow. <laughs> enough to cover.
1: Every single one.
3: What do you want to bet it's cheaper than an Air Force base?
1: <laughs> My guess is nicer, too. <laughs> oh, man. NPR I think could,
0: didn't cover that. You know, you could house every single one of those migrants in Barack Obama's
4: mansion in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, Why, seriously. He wasn't offering right? that up, was he? That's
1: it? right. Obama
4: lives there. Well, here's the thing is President Obama is very concerned about the (laughs) ecological crisis that we're facing. You know, the sea levels are rising. So he bought a massive mansion in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, on and the beach. he absolutely no. will not house any migrants. <laughs> no. Did you see there, that? I mean, for God's sake. I, the
1: island could be underwater any The guy's trying now, to have so a don't. birthday
4: party, and the goddamn CDC is like, calm down. <laughs> Obama, he's like, fuck off. I'm going to have like hundreds of people here. Zero migrants.
3: Did you hear that? Did you see that hilarious meme that repurposed Michelle and Barack's faces on top of that Missouri couple yeah. who were defending yeah. the yeah. compound with the guns?
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is essentially their take. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's so good. So but you were talking about Republicans yeah. who, who had an issue. So this next one, you asked to name names. National Review wrote, dumb, needful stunts in Martha's Vineyard. It's just
0: a preemptive surrender of our best talking point National on Review. the issue of immigration. I'm not surprised. <laughs> There's Some people in the Republican Party insist on doing this. Like giving up before
4: you've even had the conversation, you know before what? you've had the they debate. They don't understand. You that. Know what I don't get it. A lot of this, too, is clearly the majority of your friends are libs, and you're like, I'm going to feel ostracized when we're grabbing brunch and everyone looks at me. Yeah, because, preemptive because apology. Because I didn't say DeSantis bad.
3: <laughs> Just ridiculous. Washington the Post up, has bro. another piece entitled Reverse Freedom Rides, an oh. echo of oh Martha's Vineyard God. Migrant Man. Flight 60 years ago. <laughs> the Atlantic by our man, uh, Tom Nichols, a sadistic immigration stunt. <laughs> yeah. Let me just take a counter view uh, for a moment and say that if Ron DeSantis, by shipping migrants to Martha's Vineyard, is successful at at even having 10 Democrats uh, now convinced that we need a border security Solution, mm-hmm. he should win the Nobel Peace Prize. He really should. He should. Do you win. know how many
4: lives he would save? Yeah. By helping encourage having a responsible, responsible immigration policy. Yeah. Where we enforce our border. Do you know how many li- Like uh, he even said in, in that snippet that we played, fifty migrants died. Yeah. Burned alive in a trailer, and Joe Biden didn't give a fuck. They show up to. They show up to to Martha's Vineyard. Whoa, wait a minute. My donors are there.
3: (laughs) Well, maybe some of this has had an effect because Joe Biden, this is according to a lefty outfit, The Intercept, is that Biden and his administration have actually started rebuilding on the wall.
4: they are like, wait a minute. Oh, Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard should not have to deal with this. He's like,
3: holy shit, build the wall. Shit, build a wall. <laughs> 44 hours. So 44 he, hours and like, fuck it, build the wall. They got this quote from this dude, Miles, who is the Borderlands coordinator for the uh, Wild Lines Network. I don't know what the hell any of that is, but the quote is classic. Uh, he said, it's feeling like it felt during the border construction wall with Trump. <laughs> This guy says, I hadn't felt that uh, that on the border in a year and a half, and now it's like, oh, shit, here we go again.
4: <laughs> 44 hours. <laughs> 44. With a GoFundMe, which, like, doubled its asking, right? And, and, and the great thing about that GoFundMe is they posted, they're like, so the migrants have left, but we will keep the money to further, you know, causes which can help, you know. Essentially... We will prove that we are a sanctuary town by keeping all this money from everybody <laughs> for our harrowing 44 hours. We, we bought a couple boxes of cereal. We we got the military to get them the fuck out of here. And we're taking your money. I, like, I,
0: I think if I'm Ron DeSantis, I'm pulling out a map and I'm circling Cape Cod and Nantucket oh, yeah. and every other place on the eastern seaboard. We might get this whole
3: wall done. We might get it all done. The- <laughs> we don't stop until Ron Klein starts soliciting... Bannon style, brick by brick, in a C4 <laughs> to rebuild the wall. The Clinton Global Foundation. <laughs> like if I if I can if I can suggest, you know,
4: if, if, if the libs are so angry about like flights, Ron DeSantis fill a cruise ship and send him to Southampton. Just like unload at Southampton as many illegal migrants as possible. You will see a lot of those signs currently are like in this glorious estate we believe that yeah. no one is illegal you got you got 40 bedrooms there you go let's see it and that's the thing is that whenever you call out the left on their bullshit they always anticipate someone else is gonna pay for my college someone else is gonna deal with this illegal immigration policy yes I have my beliefs why should I be held to them right
0: yeah I, I, I saw the, the one piece of color I really liked was the guy who gave the folded hundred hundred dollar bill to the migrants oh yeah <laughs> Like, mm, like, like here just, yeah. Am. Here, fuck off and go away. <laughs> you know?
4: Like it was a tip. <laughs> I think that might be and the by problem. By the way, my hedges
3: could use a pruning. <laughs> <Yeah.
4: laughs> I think that's a problem.
3: <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> God, these people are the worst. What
0: a great segment,
3: guys. Oh, it's so good. So, you go on some animal stuff? Of course. Absolutely. So, I didn't know this, but in Miami, apparently, there's a huge iguana problem. Hmm.
4: I knew, yeah. You You knew this? Yeah, you can see that.
3: All right, so there's now a bounty on iguanas, dead or alive in Miami Beach. Um, City officials are discussing putting a dead or alive bounty on on the large lizards in an effort to spark some cold-blooded killing of the cold-blooded invasive species that is wreaking havoc on the Sunshine State. Uh, see, it, see it, that's it, why
0: you love a New York Post story, because it always includes lines like that. Yeah, oh yeah. I really appreciate it, that. It, well done.
3: Florida has
4: such a lizard problem, let me tell you, like, it's very apparent when you go down there. <laughs>
0: they do! It is, it's a very
1: big problem. Ashbrook's licking his lips. Yeah, it, 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 ext- ex- it extends from the southern tip to the panhandle.
3: <laughs> <laughs> lizards everywhere.
1: Lizards run the joints.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much calling the shots.
1: It's <laughs> thankfully not anymore. Ron DeSantis is governor, <laughs> and he is going to put a stop to
3: all of these lizards. <laughs> yep, it, indeed, indeed. Uh, so, but apparently, so. Uh, Maybe I'm missing something about the iguana. Is the iguana, like, is that like a cobra? I mean... It's a horrible animal. It is? It's yeah. a
1: nuisance. It's like a rat.
3: So... so oh. So it's I've been, like
1: a rat. And but they can be They can be aggressive. I don't know if you've ever seen these. They can be very aggressive. They're pretty, fa- so they're so pretty fast, our, fast yeah, too, when they, so so to when, when they want
0: to be. They come at you? you? If, if they want to, they can run. They can scurry pretty quickly. Yeah. But the problem is they, like, sort of lay out. You know, they're cold-blooded. They're, 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 they're the horrible animals.
4: They're horrible animals. If it
1: gets cold, if it freezes... They could be in a tree. If it freezes, they, they fall. They fall out they of the tree. They fall from
4: the damn trees. Real.
1: It's yes. insane. They die, insane. and then they, well, they don't. Maybe they don't die. They they they, they go comatose. Then they, they render come back when it warms up.
3: unable to move. Yeah.
4: So, so, anyone, so anyone who doesn't currently live in, in Miami, I highly recommend it. It's I mean, it's a magical place. You've got beaches. It's a large city. And they are extremely fucking right wing. Like, <laughs> there's a very significant Cuban population which is like, we hate communists. We hate yeah. communists. We will slit your fucking throat. <laughs> <laughs> right? You gotta love them. Awesome. You have to love it's them. It's awesome. The food is terrific. <laughs> Everyone hates communism. It's like, holy shit, have I arrived in heaven? The only problem is the goddamn lizards. The goddamn lizards are everywhere, <laughs> and they've got a snake
1: problem too. Not in Miami, but they've got a snake problem in the Everglades and, and up north in the state. But you know what Ron DeSantis has done with that? He's put bounties on these snakes, yeah. and guys are guys are going out and they're
4: taking them down.
3: Let's go! Like he
4: he actually gets stuff done. Dude, take the quotes from this are
3: hilarious. Taking down the snakes.
4: It says, uh, so this is uh, this is from the New York Port, uh, Post article. It says, people are going to go out and hunt them for money, Commissioner Christian Rosen-Gonzalez said at a Wednesday commission meeting. If we don't do something and take action seriously every single day, these iguanas are multiplying. That's, that's I'm telling you, put a bounty on them. That solves so many problems. <laughs> I love it.
3: I love it. All right, well, I mean, look, the other thing I saw in the news, and this is nowhere near our script, so we're just going to talk about this, about these fucking turkeys. What? Yes, mm. this is late breaking news. So you recall last, uh, probably four or five months ago, there was incidents along an area in southwest Washington D. Southeast, maybe Washington yep. D.C. Bike trail. Bike trail. On a bike trail where turkeys were taking bikers out, right? Mm-hmm. We speculated about whether this was part of Hank's situation. Whatever they were, they were an aggressive brand of turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently they have found their way back. And Smug, do you remember where this is happening? This is
4: happening in Massachusetts, of all places. These people
3: are having a tough week. <laughs> yeah, because the turkeys and there's pictures of these fucking turkeys, like which is amazing. They're coming, and, and they're like very aggressive turkeys.
4: Um. So sh- shout out to uh, the big guy. Uh, it's Kenton tw- uh, T12 on Twitter who who brought this to my attention. The New York Post has this article about Massachusetts neighborhood terrorized by troublesome turkeys right and and what gets me is like these residents like the the photos like i got like uh, i'll share them with the desk these photos are hilarious of you see these like people are taking photos of like a turkey charging them (laughs) if i ever see like i told before we started recording if i ever see a turkey charging me i see free dinner exactly (laughs) 100 percent 100%. hundred percent. You're gonna go, buddy. You're getting cooked tonight. It's it's. This it's is a huge mistake. Serendip- <laughs> serendipity. Take them
1: out. Throw them in the freezer, and then you've got Thanksgiving. I mean, can for. you imagine? Like here we go. In, you ma- to-
3: in Massachusetts, they'll be on an Air Force base. in <laughs> <Yeah. hours. laughs> But in all
2: honesty,
3: <laughs> <laughs> but in all honesty like, I, I, I have a problem with trying to figure out why it is that this is a problem.
4: I agree. Like, Anytime someone's complaining, like, listen, we've got aggressive turkeys in there, but
3: you must be eating great.
4: Yeah, every day is Thanksgiving. What a great like! I would love for that to be my central problem. Like when you would think up, they'd be when I wake up in the day. The worst thing is like a damn but turkey you know, charges you, me.
1: You know what? When the Pilgrims first arrived and they saw turkeys charging, they thought, "My God, they knew. we have reached the promised yeah, land." Right Miles, right? Miles Standish himself yeah. looked at a turkey and he <laughs> shot it with that giant pop gun he had with the <laughs> buckle hat. Right. And he didn't. He didn't complain.
4: The you, city he, on a hill. He it's just turkeys everywhere.
0: You would you would think you'd be embarrassed to admit that you couldn't solve this problem yourself. I mean, right? can you imagine
4: like here's the other thing: is like imagine being rocked by a turkey.
3: Yeah, like That's come weak. on, yeah, like taken is. down. Come on, dude. Like, like he's, he's, dra- he's dragging his gobbler over your face. Jeez, anyone, anyone,
4: <laughs> anyone? <laughs> oh,
1: mate. The Chinese are watching everything that happens online, fellas. Everybody who's listening out there. You are you like, are holy shit, speaking we for take our mainland US. <laughs> You're speaking for our country. And if the turkeys can take you out,
4: the Chinese are thinking, wow, maybe. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, who, whose thought process is like, I'm, I'm taking photos of this turkey charging me and being like, this is a problem. Much less rubbing his gobbler on you.
3: <laughs> I'm trying to recover from the image of the gobbler.
0: I, well, you look at this picture in the New York Post.
1: Uh, it's a... Substantial gobbler.
3: Well, I mean, it's
0: a
1: formidable <laughs> gobbler. There's I believe that the technical term is a beard. <laughs> the
4: technical term is a beard,
3: Dude, and it, caption, it is quite a beard. The caption is
4: insane. It says, the birds have even trapped people inside their cars.
3: I mean, what? I, I just, I don't, Your you work you is can, done.
4: You, Get out of your car. Groceries have arrived. you're done you
1: can you can you don't have
4: to go to the store save the gas money you can hit the bird with the car (laughs) it's okay newsflash it's it's
1: two two three thousand pounds like
4: uh, i mean duncan you've probably been turkey hunting right i'm guessing like if anyone here has 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 shot an animal like imagine you don't even have to hunt The, the the bounty is coming to you they want to jump on that table they're trying to get in the oven I have, I, have not,
0: I have not been turkey hunting.
4: I'd like to.
3: But I would love to. I would like to. Yeah, yeah I'd absolutely so like to. If anybody it. has a line on that, let us know, because I think we'd all like to shoot a turkey after this thing. Uh, two more things. Let's cover one of these quickly. This is an area of some significance economically. Smug, you're our resident expert on this. Fed interest rate.
4: Yeah. Um, so this is absolutely a horrible situation that we're facing right now. Um, this administration has not only done nothing to try to mitigate inflation, they passed this, like, quote, Inflation Reduction Act, which is actually the most inflationary like bill yeah. that you pass a time <laughs> like this. Basically, free money handouts from the government, printing more cash, which, as everyone who's taken Econ 101 knows, more government spending, more inflation. However... What this, what this happens is, 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 or what ends up happening is, you've got the Federal Reserve, which is tasked with trying to get inflation in line. They have a dual mandate, inflation and employment, right? They, they try to keep inflation low. They try to keep employment as high as possible. So now the the Fed is basically being forced to act based on this administration's poor policies. They see uh, the CPI number comes in hot. Uh, the, the Consumer Price Index, which is basically the measure of inflation, comes higher than expected, what can they do they have to raise higher so like the 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 consensus among everybody was okay we're going to see a 75 uh basis point increase that's you know now the consensus is starting to push way higher than that i mean that's just why way higher but so anyone who's who's thinking about like buying a house you've seen interest rates go from about close to around two and a half percent to six and
3: a half percent in the course of 12 months yeah, it's a wild deal. But it's also, you know, look, it's indicative of the limited tools that a government has mm-hmm. when they use I- incomprehensible spending when you don't need it. Yeah. Right? Because we've always when we enter economic downturns, there's always been like stimulus measures and things to try to get employment back up and try to get GDP working and people back to work and everything else. But when inflation is doing the paddling and you've already spent all the money, Mm -hmm. the tool is basically this, Mm -hmm. right? And that's it, that's the only thing you got. The problem is, and you tell me if I'm wrong about this, Mug. but the problem is when you raise interest rates, like if they were to go a point, you are looking at an absolute rock solid guarantee that you're going to enter some kind of a recessionary like a longer term recessionary period. We're already in one. And
4: mm-hmm. and so that's the thing is is so the the kind of a template that the Fed is relying on is something like the car you know Jimmy Carter's presidency where inflation's running out of control. And uh you know Paul Volcker uh is at the Fed and the old ba- Volcker curve. Yeah, the, he he basically tries he, he created uh, kind of like the guidelines that the fed is relying on now inducing a recession
0: but do it with some airbags like so you don't crash the car head first into the wall at I 50 mean, miles an hour I mean, you ideally they're trying to slow down the damage right right
4: and and the thing is there's no there's no winning here is yeah. you're you're stuck with administration with uh so the dems have all three branches of government as we're all very well aware of and so they will rubber stamp any kind of spending that they can and the fed basically has no choice but to keep hiking interest rates and and it's it's very key to point out folks that uh uh whenever you have interest rates being hiked that 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 leads to a slow lending uh and and it leads to slower economic activity small businesses don't want to borrow money they don't want to expand that's eventually and I've, I've been warning folks for a long time this is going to hit the labor market you know it, 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 it's a one-two punch basically when you enter this spiral and and a lot of economists have accepted we're going to enter a, a, a period of time where we're forced by the Fed to deal with layoffs the labor market's going to start taking a hit because it's like you know one hand to the other when you when you slow down economic activity because of an inflationary environment, there's gonna be no choice but businesses. When businesses are like, okay, well, prices have gone up so much. We've seen so many articles lately, for example, about groceries. Groceries have been bearing the brunt lately. It's going to trickle to every, you know, even durable goods. So every, how, every how, well, how, how does the Fed? How does the Fed
0: uh, execute its dual mandate to do both yeah. these things? It's, it sounds like it's pretty much impossible.
4: I mean, that's the thing is, is when it's you have a government, time, right? Yeah, when you have a government right now with with all three branches controlled by the dams, which is so hell bent on spending government money, on, on, I mean, exceedingly foolish programs, right? But just spending as much government money as possible, they have no choice. They're going to keep hiking interest rates. That's going to hurt business activity. And businesses are going to be like, well, if no one is buying our goods... Because our prices have to be so high. In here inflation. come the layoffs. Here come the layoffs. Well, oh. we have
1: a president who's literally denying the problem on a routine basis. Did you guys see 60 Minutes? Oh, my God. Can I just play some audio here? Yeah, from let's that? Do it. Mr. President, as you know, last Tuesday, the annual inflation rate came in at 8.3%. The stock market nosedived. People are shocked by their grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation
3: rate month to month was just, um, uh, uh, just an inch, hardly at all. An inch i mean that's the thing is it's like this it's, this fucking guy things
4: things still
0: suck but they didn't get dramatically worse is is what they consider a victory now
4: yeah Aye. he's no, like it, listen we have everyone sitting in boiling water and it went from 212 to two fifteen <laughs> like, yeah you know what
1: <laughs> right and it reminds you of dan Aykroyd
0: inflation is our friend <laughs>
3: <laughs> 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 doing his jimmy carter yeah, it great. basically is <laughs> right it,
1: Exactly that. He goes on to say more.
3: Most Americans will be millionaires.
0: (laughs) Everyone will feel like a big shot. Wouldn't you like to own
3: a four thousand dollar suit and smoke a seventy five dollar cigar, and drive a six hundred thousand dollar car? I know I would.
4: Uh, I mean, that's essentially what's happening. Is is you're seeing costs skyrocket so much, so much quicker, and, and and the problem for Dems right now is is the American people, especially during campaign season, are waking up to the fact that costs are. Far outstripping their income, yeah, but by a very significant I saw a, margin.
3: I saw a terrifying quote over the weekend. The FedEx CEO, they did their earnings call last week, and they had you know some pretty disappointing earnings to report. And it was asked on the on the call with shareholders, like, "Do you think that in your services, if you have if you're missing earnings, that that is a precursor?" to inflation and I'm paraphrasing, but he was basically like the CEO is basically like no question about it. Mm. And historically, when you have delivery of goods and services that begin to have projections that they're missing, it is a precursor to everything starting to slow down. Right? So I mean everything about this is rings true. It's terrible. I can't believe we still have to have the conversation about whether Democrats should in fact be the stewards of this economy. Because it is incredible to me how they've pissed down the drain every tool the government has to try to prevent pain on the American consumer. And now we sit in the situation where we're like, well, we got to choose to chop off our hand or our foot. Uh, Right. For for every every Republican. That's a good way of putting it.
4: Every Republican policymaker, whether you're elected, whether you're running for office, you need to make the case and say over and over again, we are in a situation where Democrats have all three branches of government, and all that has resulted from this is lives have gotten worse for every single American in this country. Everything has gotten more expensive, and there's no respite, no respite.
3: And the Democrat who represents you did nothing to stop it. Nothing. When they had they a chance. Voted,
4: They voted for more inflationary measures.
3: Yep. No, it's 100%. The last thing we're keeping our eye on here on the Variety program, we're going to update you again Thursday because this is a really dynamic situation is that when Joe Manchin was making his secret deal with Chuck Schumer Mm -hmm. to try to just absolutely make inflation a thousand times worse behind a so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which is basically like Green New Deal Lite, it's spending unbelievable... We've since come to find out that it is not deficit neutral and it's actually increased inflation, surprise, surprise. Um, But in that deal, he somehow solicited from Chuck Schumer an idea to do some permitting reform, right? Which helps his home state. But they had to do it on a different bill, right? They had to do it on a spending bill, a must pass spending bill, like a CR. And Manchin, for the last like two weeks, has been talking about, well that was the deal that I did and we'll shut down the government, basically, if my deal's not in there. Republicans, not surprisingly, are like, get fucked, Joe Manchin. Yeah, (laughs) and I think,
4: you know, those four words. Get Fuck Joe Manchin should be the mantra. Like, going forward, he has shown he acts in incredibly bad faith.
3: Totally bad incredibly faith. Bad
4: faith. He, he has lied to Republicans. We should not allow our. He, he thinks he can hold everybody hostage to get his kickback. Because that's all this is. Is he wants to get his, you know, silver uh, how many silver coins from Schumer for, for, for pushing Green New Deal. That's what this is. Don't let that happen. He should get nothing. Dems should get nothing. Vote yes on nothing a Dem puts forward from now to election day. The American people are going to hold these these Dems accountable who've made America so much worse.
0: So, so for our listeners, um, can you explain a little bit about this how this permitting issue would end up in a continuing continuing resolution? Yeah, basically so, a funding in the government. So,
3: basically, what because of the con- incompetence of Democrats, and but this is government largely. We end up with this at the end of fiscal years, time and time again, where there's these appropriations bills that fund the government in the United States that have to pass, but they never do their work. At least they never do their work on time. And so they have what they call a CR, continuing resolution. Basically, what that does is take last year's law and push it forward. It's
4: just kicking the can.
3: Now, Now, I will say, from a Republican standpoint, it's not the worst thing in the world, because more government... And more spending is always a bad thing. So if you could take last year's levels and right. push it forward, generally speaking, that's preferable to what these Democrats would want to do in the future. So CRs are fine, kind of a bipartisan procedure. Is incompetent and ridiculous as a way to run the government. It's better as it than is. the alternative. It's better than the alternative,
0: especially with Democrats
3: controlling everything.
4: But that's the thing is that's what's critical.
3: But what's always what always happens is that you run into it and in September 30th. The government funding, right? What always happens is you get into September and all of a sudden Democrats start looking around at each other and they're like, fuck, I guess we got to keep the lights on in this place. Yeah. So they'll cobble together something and then they'll have whatever the deals that they made. They'll try to slip it in and tell Republicans, like, take it or you're shutting down the government.
4: Because they know the media is always going to roll with, oh my God, Republicans are shutting down the government. Dems control every branch of
3: government.
1: Yeah, that's axiomatic. If Democrats want something, the media writes it. It's just as it's as plain Jane as anybody could ever find in Washington.
3: The problem that Schumer has is he didn't vet this with his conference, right? He got the votes on the deal in August, but ultimately he has a large number of Senate Democrats, sort of you're like, think of him as the environmental left wing, the Ed Markey's of the world, and like Elizabeth Warren and, the, and those people, where they're like, no, we're not going to do any permitting, Energy permitting stuff on this, so I'm, I'm not so so he doesn't have a full conference. Similarly, in the House, so you'd have to rely on Republicans to vote for this thing in order to give it a, get it across the finish line. Now, Manchin thought, well, I think Republicans probably support permitting, which as a as a standalone prospect may be the case. I don't know if that version, the version that he is talking about, is something that people would support or not. But given the hostilities of a month and a half ago, and the deception and the lies that he had to his right. Republican colleagues about how he would never support a, a tax increase or anything else we've, in the middle of the Right. Recession. We've, we've
0: seen this movie before. In fact, they solicited Republican votes on the CHIPS Act saying that the Green New Deal was dead. Oh, this is what we're going to get done. Oh, I'm Joe Manchin. I would never raise taxes on the middle class during a recession. Oh, I don't want to make inflation worse. And but now what I want do? your help on this. Right. He fucking lied to us then, lied. and he lied to us with Chuck Schumer. They they created this whole bait and switch on the Republican conference in the Senate. Yep. I think we should tell him to go fuck himself. Bingo.
3: Yeah. No, and I think it's like the, the official position of the Ruthless Variety program, that this is, if Joe Manchin wants to shut down the government, let Joe Manchin shut That's down it. the government. That's yeah. the thing. And and, and, and I right, was re- already
0: not going to win re election. He might as well just go down.
3: Because whole- that's what this is. This is not Republicans are not a part of this conversation. Nobody's nope. vetted any of this stuff with a the Republican. they have not even had a single conversation with a Republican. You, this is an entirely Democratic right, caucus discussion. Right. If they want to run out on the end of that limb and not know how it turns out and expect Republicans to bail Joe Manchin out, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to shut down the government.
4: And, and the whole reason we exist is because we are, you know in a position where we can bring the truth to the individuals, independent of of, of established mainstream news, of CBS, NBC, because they're all going to push, like, oh my god, Republicans shut down the government. Yeah, you know all- the, every branch is controlled it, by the Democrats. Like we'll it's our job.
0: It's our job as Republicans to solve the intra-conference problems of the senate Bingo. democrats go fuck yourself. And the horse fuck yourself trading
3: yeah on the horse trading on a bill that ultimately wrote it, it, inflation went up taxes went up uh-huh. and our economy was forever it, ruined uh, we bed. gotta help them oh let's help them they no, made their bed helping.
4: they made their bed
3: we're not helping them so anyway that's just a brief thing we're gonna get more in depth if we actually if this becomes a live fire exercise my guess is they're running into a bit of a uh meat grinder on this thing, and I hope that is the case. Anyway, let's get to our interview. It's a good one. I want to welcome to the program somebody who at least a number of us here in this room are going to have the pleasure of voting for uh, this fall, which is, you know, we don't get that opportunity a lot in Northern Virginia.
0: Yeah, the, I mean, this this interview seems a little selfish on our
3: part. It does. It does. <laughs>
0: it's definitely self-serving. But You know, we've given you a ton of other ones. Yeah. It's about time we get an interview
3: for our... We get a little something. Yeah. We get a little something. Yeah. <laughs> Karina Lipsman, thank you so much for coming. You were running for Congress in Northern Virginia. Welcome to the program.
2: Thank you guys for having me. This is a pleasure to be here.
3: Um, Look, your signs are everywhere. You must be doing a good job at getting people who would ordinarily not be open to voting for a Republican vote for a Republican.
2: Absolutely. So the district has changed significantly in the last 10 years. We're now 47% immigrant and minority. I'm an immigrant minority. I was born (laughs) in Odessa, Ukraine, came here, lived the American dream, and now I want to preserve that dream for everyone. So these are the communities we're really focusing on. And I think we're also focusing on things that matter to the everyday person. We're focused on crime and uh, getting that under control. We're focused on education to make sure that the future of America looks bright. And we're focused on... the economy yeah
3: (laughs) right well so i read an interview that you did uh some months back indicated that the yunkin election sort of was a burr in your saddle that you knew at that point that you know jumping into a d plus 20 district it seems like you're just running into a meat grinder but your your view of that victory from governor yunkin was that there's a pathway here
2: absolutely uh Governor Youngkin made it okay to vote Republican, and a lot of independents and Democrats uh, embraced the issues that Governor Youngkin was campaigning on. Again, they were issues that everyday people care about. They weren't polarizing politics. They were things that affected every single American. And you had the education issue, which is a huge one, Mm -hmm. uh, that the angry non-political moms or parents showed up and they were just like, we need to have parental (laughs) rights. We need to have insights into what goes on in the hallways and in the classrooms. And so he's kind of paved the way for us to be able to follow a playbook where you are focusing on everyone, regardless of what your political affiliation is.
3: Yeah, well, and, and to be clear, you're running against Don Byer, right? Who, Just the worst. I mean, other than seeing his name on the car dealerships, you don't see anything from him anywhere in the district, right? I mean, this is like an absentee congressman in a lot of ways.
2: We haven't seen him anywhere. Uh, <laughs> members of Congress sometimes don't even know who he is. And uh, I've been to over 38 uh, back-to-school nights, farmers markets, events in the district, all around the district. We've asked him to debate us on Multiple issues, and mm. he still has not uh, responded to us. So if he is listening, please, Don Byer, feel free to. Uh, <laughs> the offer still stands. But he, uh, you know, we had a couple of civic associations put on the, uh, forums for us. He's only shown up to two, one which was virtual. And then the third one, he decided that he was going to send a surrogate. That's not fair to the people of the district.
3: Maybe he's quarantining. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like he didn't have any answers for it. I mean, while people in Northern Virginia were struggling with closed schools, curriculum issues, as right. Yunkin uh, pointed out during his election, dealing with all kinds of, of problems in terms of the economy and local businesses and restaurants and things like that. you heard virtually nothing from this guy.
2: Yeah, he was, uh, he closed down our businesses. We now see empty uh, storefronts. Uh, People struggled. Uh, We've seen with education, obviously, our children struggling. Suicide rates have gone up. Drug and alcohol abuse have gone up. Uh, You've basically closed the entire world, the entire uh, country for what? because now the CDC believes that social distancing doesn't exist or masks yeah. don't exist, and it's like Don Beyer voted for all of that. And he that's the thing is he just votes along party lines versus what is important to the people of his district.
3: Which is an amazing. And look, I, I love what you're doing here because I think most people, again, you look at a district, and this is Don Beyer, what he's doing is he's looking at his district saying like, yeah, well, I'm just not going to get in any trouble here. I'm not even going to show up. And they're just going to vote for me because that's what they do. They vote for Democrats. You're going in there and saying, "Now there's a real option. We can actually handle a question about schools and talk about this as a community. I imagine the response to that is pretty good.
2: Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, Don Beyer feels entitled to this seat. He's made it very clear. When Point Blank asked about me, he said, great candidate, great campaign, running in the wrong district. And so he said wait, He said that about you. <laughs> he said that about me. Like, he, like he's a
0: political <laughs> No, It's like
3: Charlie Cook over here.
2: Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> it's incredible. But it's like, you know, I mean, the voters can't vote for change unless they know the change is a possibility. Right. And We saw that with Yunkin. Right. Yeah. That's what I love about this. Mm-hmm. You know, because people like Don Byer. Hey, look, COVID was great for him. He didn't want, you know, he doesn't want to be around to serve the district in the first place. And now he's got an excuse not to show
3: up. You know, so why, does he, why do you think he wants to be a congressman? Because it's not like he does anything. I mean, we were talking earlier. I'm not even sure his colleagues know who this guy is.
2: I, for him, I think uh, he actually said that this would be his last term. So he's on his way out.
3: I mean, if ever you have a great opportunity to kick a guy out, he's like,
2: yeah, I don't
0: know if I'm here. He's like, she's running the wrong district. Also, I don't really want to run in this district.
3: <laughs> I mean, he's got to—he's got to be in Palm Beach. I mean, this guy. First of all, he's got a ton of money. A ton, yeah, a couple hundred million bucks. He literally owns. I mean, it, you drive by a car dealership; it's got his name on it, right? So this guy—he's probably not hanging out like on Glee Road, asking for votes at this point.
2: No, absolutely not. I mean, he's nowhere in the community at all. <laughs> but, but, but his staff clearly thinks that he is and uh, feels, again, that he's just entitled to everyone's vote without actually having to work for it. And I think that's the issue with politicians these days is they're so entrenched, they're so out of touch with what's going on in their district that they forget who actually put them in the office in the first place. And that's where I think we need change. We need more uh, reasonable, common sense people in Congress who are actually going to work across the aisle and get things done. And yep. it
3: starts with one person. Well, Karina, so how do you how do you get involved in this line of work? Like, what, what about your background? You say you're first generation. Yes. So, so like, uh, there's a lot coming at you in life. All of a sudden, you're like, you know what? I'm going to run for office in a D plus <laughs> 20 district. Like, what do you got going on? You just felt the need to serve?
2: Absolutely. So uh, my background is uh, I was born in Odessa, Ukraine, came over here on a refugee visa when I was eight years old with my single mother and grandparents, didn't speak English, lived Mm. in low-income housing, on food stamps, went through the Baltimore public school system, became a citizen when I was 18 by choice, because America is the greatest country in the world, (laughs) and put myself through college in three years with a bachelor's in economics, worked in the financial industry during that time. Then switched gears and moved into the defense and intelligence community, and then to prove myself I went back to school and earned a master's in engineering from Johns Hopkins good
3: lord Wow, <laughs> she's got more degrees than a thermometer
2: <laughs> I mean that's yeah. just
3: so so and you've settled in in northern Virginia and you've got to be at some level looking around wondering what it is that the politicians that say they represent this place are doing right
2: exactly and like I said um, you know the district has changed significantly I moved to Arlington ten years ago it no longer looks like Don Beyer. Hmm. It no longer uh, is representative of the politics of Don Beyer. There's a lot of immigrants and minorities, about 47% that actually live in our district and they are being hurt the most because they're the underprivileged. They're the ones that are always ignored by politicians unless the, it's election year. And you know it, it, they feel the pressure the most. They can't uh, afford to put food on the table, pay their bills uh put gas in their cars they're looking at the education system mostly you know we've seen tj thomas jefferson uh, high school and parents who came here immigrants who came here especially the asian community are ticked off because now they're not being uh, allowed to come in based on uh, Mm meritocracy and you know it's based on skin color or based on your background and you know that's not why people come to america they come here for opportunities and freedom and -hmm. we need to preserve that american dream for everybody
3: what's so interesting about this district is its proximity to the nation's capital would lead everybody to believe that everyone is just hyper political in their professional lives, they probably are, right? It over-indexes in terms of people paying attention to the news or whatnot. But what's so funny is somebody who lives there, um, there's an amazing amount of disconnected progressive stuff that happens basically because nobody's paying attention at the local level. Right. Right? I mean, how many streets and schools can we rename in the last year and a half? I don't know anybody, and I have some really left-wing neighbors. I don't know anybody who was asking for that. Right? No,
0: no. But you know, they they wouldn't necessarily speak up about it because they don't want to make waves, right? Yeah. And if you live in a community where you feel like you don't have an alternative, where you feel like you don't have a choice, what's what's the value? What what do you get out of being being the person who says, "Hey, this is crazy," you right. know? And that's what I love about this race so much is we're finally giving people an alternative mm-hmm. where maybe they'll be courageous and be like, "Yeah, you know." I am progressive or, you know, I'm center-left. But Don Byer hasn't done anything for me. Right. And, and, you know, my kid is a year behind where they should be in school because, you know, the psychos who let this go too far um, have have ruined their ability to learn things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I mean, that's what gives me a little bit of hope. I hope.
3: Yeah. Well, I think that's right. I mean, how much of the COVID experience sort of formulated your necessity to get involved.
2: I I think that was the biggest thing as why I decided to get involved in the first place is watching where our country's going and it eerily resembled what we left in the Soviet Union. Mm. And so you saw indoctrination of children. You saw uh, government overreach. You saw what was happening um, with the economy. You saw how much uh, we started weaponizing police mm. and how people were ratting on each other. Essentially, if you went out without a mask or whatever. <laughs> I mean, this is this is Soviet 101 essentially. And as I started to you know get more and more involved, because I mean, you're all sitting at home and having nothing else to do so you're reading the news you're doing it all your research and you're like oh my gosh what is our country coming to And I was like okay so if anyone has credibility I think it's someone that actually was born in a socialist uh, country <laughs> yeah, right. and can speak to this and tell you how terrible of an experience that I had to the point where my mother decided to literally leave everything leave our family leave our friends leave all our uh, belongings and immigrate here so that I could have a better life.
0: And and back to what you were saying about the minority population that's come into this district, that stuff disproportionately hurt them. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, crime, um, but the school stuff, too. You know, we've talked about it a lot on the show. What COVID did, you know, to minority students in particular is just like criminal.
3: Oh, totally. In this, in this district in particular, right? Because there's a ton of super wealthy private schools. And then there are Arlington Public Schools, and there, there are the public schools all the way up through elementary and high school. And then there are this sort of like charter school. So there's, I mean, there's a definitive difference in how everything was handled. And yet there was no one in this district that was sort of saying... Do you understand the achievement gap that you're creating for these kids? Well, you got you,
0: know, you got a couple of situations, right? You've got um, you've got families who can't afford to get a private tutor to come to their home while they you're work right. on Zoom all day. You've got a lot of minority populations that run small businesses in our district. Yeah. They gotta show up to work every day. They gotta put food on the table. They have to talk to other people in order to get a paycheck every day. They can't work on Zoom, and they sure as hell can't stay home and make sure their kid goes to Zoom school. Right. It's just, you know, it's crazy. That's what. Hopefully, the parents of our district are as upset about this as I am, because <laughs> it's a complete outrage.
3: Yeah.
1: Which makes me wonder, Karina, what what are you hearing from people as you're sort of crisscrossing this district I mean parents and otherwise I mean a lot of Democrats obviously but what what sort of feedback are you getting
2: people are fed up they're fed up with the status quo they uh, no longer want to have the same representation that hasn't worked for them so they're ready for change they just need an alternative so the biggest things are crime getting that under control funding our police versus my opponent who says that Uh, Defund the police is a silly slogan, yet he will accept funding and endorsements from organizations that overtly uh, support the defunding of the police. And I've asked them to actually give the the money back and uh, renounce his endorsement from them.
1: What do you say? crickets (laughs)
0: imagine you get a lot of that guy's got like millions and millions and millions of dollars and he's like you know what i'll take the check from the
3: lunatics (laughs) you know yeah right i mean it says something about it right says something about his priorities so what do your friends and family say when you jump into this situation is it because this is the first time you've ever run for office
2: yes uh so some of them think i'm uh, a little bit out there <laughs> for wanting to do something like this in a district like we uh we live in but i think for the most part people realize that we need change in this country and they understand that it's going to take one person to start that change and it always does it's one person and that's what i tell people in the community is yeah you might not be you might not like what you're seeing right now from your representative you might not even know who your representative is mm-hmm. but it starts with one person and it starts with one vote. And if they give me a chance this November to be their representative, I will improve their lives. I will work for them. I will be part of the community. I won't skip out on forums or town halls. And I've actually made a promise that I would hold at least um, one town hall a quarter just so people can gather and I could understand what the issues are in the district.
3: It's like sort of the way the founders envisioned. it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I,
1: I, I don't remember. I don't remember a Don Bayer town hall. No, I just I simply don't remember it.
3: Closest thing is probably a Range Rover dealership.
1: Right, <laughs> he probably he's not taking calls because he thinks people are calling to make good on a warranty. <laughs> he's not, not going to help him on that either. They'll <laughs> sell you a clear
3: coat. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, how difficult is it? I mean look you're clearly an engaging person with a with a very interesting story how difficult is it getting everybody's attention that hey we can win this thing
2: so for me it's just been going around the district, talking to every single person, understanding where they are and meeting them where they are. And I never impose my views on them. I simply ask what their number one issue is. Mm -hmm. And then we go from there. And I think a lot of people are more uh, likely to have the dialogue if you meet them in the middle. And that's part of the, my campaign, is not embracing polarizing politics, because we're never gonna agree on that anyway. So we talk about common sense things. We talk about moderate things. Uh, we talk about things that, you know, the average Republican would look at me and be like, oh my gosh, did she actually uttered the words climate policy? <laughs> oh my gosh, animal rights? <laughs> what world does she live in?
0: Well, I mean, I know my neighbors, you're gonna have to talk a little bit about that stuff if you wanna have a conversation <laughs> with
3: them. Right? <laughs> Don't
2: yeah, and that's, I mean, that's been the thing that most people, once they have five minutes with me, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize there could be a normal Republican. Yeah, because they're,
0: they're used to the caricature that they see on MSNBC every night. Yeah. You know, and you have to have those conversations with people if you want to win in a D plus 20
3: district. You got to do it. You totally do. And I mean, we're, look, we're in a change environment. Clearly, Democrats with unified control over an economy this terrible. Can't be a bad thing for your message.
2: Absolutely, and then the other thing is, you know, we've got we've got people who are just so annoyed with how COVID was handled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I resigned from a 14-year career in the defense and intel community, and I'm living off my savings and retirement accounts. So I'm watching those dwindling. So when Don buyer says we're in, you know, the best economic <laughs> prosperity in the last 40 years, and I was like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, maybe someone that's worth 200 million dollars <laughs> that's doing insider trading off chip sacks and making money, yeah, maybe. Uh, no, little immigrant Karina is not, you know, is not making that kind of money. So buyers looped into
3: the pelosi deal they should start a hedge fund i mean oh. <laughs> seriously just saying i'm just saying they have good quality returns <laughs> it would be worth investing <laughs> wow so, yeah, so i guess i didn't even realize that i mean this guy really is totally out of touch
2: 100% and that's where you know people want to have transparency. They want to feel like their voices are being heard. I mean, at the end of the day, your representative should be your voice in the halls of Congress. Mm -hmm. They are your boss, the constituents are your bosses, not the other way around. And so a lot of these entrenched uh, career politicians, they just feel so entitled to whatever it is that uh, they have, their current seat, that they don't, they don't even wanna do the work. They mm-hmm. don't care. They don't care about what the people want. They care about what they want. How is it gonna line their pockets and that—how how is that ultimately going to set them up for the next stage?
3: Yeah, so, so as you're looking at your campaign, every campaign has got things you love about it. It sounds like what you love about it is going out and talking to people and listening to what they care about and being able to respond to them. Frustrating part, I'm guessing, is it's really difficult financially to try to compete in a market like this where you have to like buy DC television and everything else and when you're going up against a two, somebody who's got two, $300 million in the bank.
2: Right, uh, so everything is grassroots. I got in and realized that the party wasn't gonna help me. And so I basically created my own infrastructure because there wasn't one in place in the 8th District. And I started from scratch, and I said that I was gonna do things completely different because over the last 30 years, we clearly haven't been doing things right because we haven't had a Republican in this seat. Mm -hmm. So I put together a new playbook. I made sure that every one of my uh, staff knew exactly the kind of messaging and the kind of campaign we wanted to run. And if they weren't on board, I. Politely ask them not to be part of the campaign and just be supporters. But I think everyone realizes that it's time for change. And also, I'll, I will say the House is going to flip. Mm-hmm. Regardless, the House is going to flip, whether I get the seat or not. But wouldn't people in the eighth district? want someone who's part of the majority who's rational who's common sense who's moderate who has a great approach to be able to influence the things in the majority that would actually benefit Mm -hmm. versus having someone who so out of touch will be in the minority he's got one foot out the door and there's already has one foot out the door because he said he already said he's gonna this is gonna be his last term
3: (sighs) that's incredible right i mean it's just wow look it's a compelling message for sure How much does, because there's, you know, when I talked about sort of the progressive stuff going on in Arlington and everything else, there's a bunch of local issues that just are mind-boggling for anybody who pays attention. Like, for example, this this upzoning situation. The zoning thing. Have you heard this from people?
2: The missing middle?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people have to be talking about this.
2: Absolutely. And I I think people are against it. The majority of Arlingtonians are against the missing middle. And they don't
3: care. To shorthand for our audience, basically what it is is they they zone proper rezone properties where these contractors can come in purchase in bulk any property that comes up and immediately have it rezoned for like low income housing duplexes all kinds of things in neighborhoods that have absolutely no infrastructure to handle something like that not a parking lot within a country mile impossible to deal with and yet there's this progressive it started in San Francisco this this progressive principle that every neighborhood should have these low-income housing multiplexes in them. Well, and, and the way that
0: they sell it is this, I mean, completely astroturfed, yes, in my backyard, right? And they say, oh, well, we, we want affordable housing. We, we want, you know, Arlington to be livable for everybody. And like, look, I don't have a problem with that at all. But I can tell you how that actually ends up in reality in a lot of communities in Arlington is the greed the 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 sheer avarice of these like you know building companies these contractors like they're trying to extend a road through my neighborhood just so that they can build like three more lots right you know we have like a neighbor who like purchased the house next door so that they couldn't extend the road because these contract these developers they just want more and more and more and it's just like at what point are we Are we thinking about the future of Arlington for the people of Arlington versus, you know, the contractors who don't live here in the district?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the reason I bring it up is because it dovetails with your message perfectly, right? The only reason we're even talking about this is because you have elected representatives at a local level that actually just don't care. They don't care. Right? They don't care what their people... People
0: show up to the... They've had a few hearings about this mm-hmm. in Arlington and people show up and they're like, this is ridiculous. Like, we're all for affordable ho- housing, but like, let, let's not do a blanket zoning of the entire county. Right. Like, let's figure out where we can put housing in to make it affordable for people. But they don't care because they know at the end of the day the contractors want to be able to put an aplex on a lot that used to be a
3: single-family home. I mean, home. it feels like you could surf off of some of that discontent at the local level right
2: absolutely i mean especially look at the school systems what is that going to do to the school right overpopulation in schools there when they're already hurting where there's already a shortage in uh teachers and
0: it's not like they're going to lower my taxes if they put duplexes around the corner you know like oh okay you're going to broaden the tax base how my taxes going to go down they're not okay well then i'm not for it (laughs) how about about that
2: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, look. Uh, <laughs> I hope people are as
0: pissed about this as I am. <laughs> they
2: are. I've uh, I've attended a numerous amount of Good. forums, and I think the majority of people in Arlington are absolutely against missing middle. I think once they realize what it actually is, right. uh, it's no longer a, oh, my gosh, I feel bad because we need more uh, affordable housing. It's, oh, my gosh, we don't have the infrastructure in place, the sewers, the water, the, you know, we have the worst traffic in the entire country. And there's also
3: a lot of construction going on as it is. Amazon HQ. Right. Totally. Totally. Well, listen, I think that that is an issue that it's not directly in your line of attack, but it's got to be the same people, right? Because I have the most progressive uh, neighbors who are just outraged by this, which I find infinitely hilarious well yeah.
1: the, the most the most frustrating part about it in arlington is that you feel like you have an opinion and your local leaders don't care no the same thing goes in school districts you have an opinion parents have an opinion you express it they just blow you off because they know they're going to be reelected anyway and it sounds like that's what is happening at the federal level, too, with Don Beyer.
2: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, something that we've seen, too, is parents getting more involved in school board races, Yeah, uh, people getting more involved in local politics because they're just so fed up with how everything's being governed and just throwing money at the problem versus actually figuring out what's the catalyst for this? Where's the root cause? How do we resolve the root cause of all of this versus actually, you know, uh, just throwing money at it, like Don Byer and other politicians have been doing. Yeah,
3: yeah, no, it's all a good point, mm. Karina. We've got three questions for you that we ask everybody. All right, you're gonna have it. You're gonna have an interesting, I guarantee, the an interesting answer, at least for the first one. Your last meal on Earth, what would it be?
2: Okay, so I would say raw oysters. Okay, and just given my background, uh, of course, potatoes and anything pickled.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right,
2: together, uh-huh.
3: <laughs> together.
2: Uh, Anything? Like you just like pickled? Pickled anything. Really? You just pickle anything and it tastes fantastic. Just like you fry <laughs> anything and it tastes fantastic. <laughs> I love okay. that. Okay,
3: all right. A, a pickled pig's foot?
2: We've had that before.
3: Yeah. Yeah, wow. I mean,
2: we've eaten an entire animal, like every single part of it, because we just... Pickle did, it. Yeah, pickle it. <laughs> it's, it preserves longer.
3: <laughs> so good. All right, so... If you never got into your your before politics career, right, um, in finance and in defense contract and everything else, and you had this blue sky that you could do absolutely anything with your life to fill, what would it be?
2: Own a car dealership like Don <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding.
3: <laughs> it does seem like it's worked out. Lucrative.
2: $200 million. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so... You know, I've lived my space nerd dream of launching satellites and working on the Hubble Telescope, the James Webb Hubble Telescope. Uh, so I fulfilled that. Uh, I'd say something with animals, and not kind of not the Tiger King or the Carol Baskins kind of sure. thing. Sure, having like a sanctuary yeah. where we have uh, rehabilitation for uh, circus animals or you know animals that have been abused and giving them an opportunity to live the rest of their life freely.
3: Oh, real wow. soft spot for the animals. Nice. I like that. I I like that. You're going to fit in Northern Virginia quite well. Maybe like a greyhound, former, uh, no, former no. don't racing. let him, oh, don't let him do because this. Because I would, don't I would adopt, this. we would adopt
1: a greyhound tomorrow if my wife would allow us to do it.
3: The thing would be dead by we'll just, Tuesday.
2: We'll just drop it off in your front yard.
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Ashbrook's not good with animals. You don't want him around <laughs> no. animals. Um, all right. So, so, third question. Our view is that every successful person is motivated by one of two things: thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. Obviously, nobody likes losing right? But it's about either your sunny optimist who sort of climbs to the next challenge or every sort of success that you've had in life lasts like five seconds, but every defeat that you've ever encountered is like, it just weighs on you and is your driving force to try to do everything in your your livelihood to prevent it and to move to the next thing. Karina, where do you find yourself?
2: Forever the optimist. I yeah. mean, I grew up you gotta in Soviet Ukraine. Doing. Right, <laughs> I went, I came here with absolutely nothing, not speaking the language, putting myself through school, being able to run for Congress. I mean, America doesn't get better than that. So Duh.
3: that's great. That's a great message too, Karina. If our people want to help you out, where do they go?
2: KarinaforCongress.com. Perfect. Donate. Join.
3: You need all the help you can all get. All the help
2: we can get. We're going to flip the seat and we're going to make history happen.
3: We got to put up some yard signs, fellas. Yeah, that yep. sounds great. Let's get
2: that.
0: I'm going to channel all of this anger into yard sign blitzing.
2: That's great. Yeah. You, should,
3: you should take him up. I'm
2: holding your accountable.
3: Karina <laughs> Lipsman, thank you so much for joining the program. Thank you guys so much. So, Karina Lipsman is the kind of person that you want to run for office. Like, I, I guarantee you, on like, Seven of ten issues, I would agree with her. Mm-hmm. Three of ten, you know, probably not. She's probably to the left of center of me. It's she's, a D plus 20 district. She's running right. in a D plus 20 district, right? Right. But, like, ultimately the reasons that she's running, because nobody in her community is listened to, right. mm-hmm. is the reason we have this freaking republic in the first place. Right. You know what I mean? It's you
0: have like, to give people an alternative. You have to give yep. people an opportunity to vote. Unlike they voted, you know, lockstep for a Democrat for the last 20 years.
1: I mean, it's ridiculous. Don Beyer doesn't do shit. I think that's really what caught my attention. She had a lot of interesting things to say, but what really, really caught my attention was the fact that all of these people in Arlington, all of these people across her entire district feel like they're given no choice. Yeah. There's no variety Mm -hmm. as you get on the variety program program. on a daily basis. On the program. And you've
3: indulged us on someone we're going to be able to cast a ballot for. Yes. Which I feel like, you know, we got a little something back there. Yeah. Got a little and, something back. And,
4: and you know, I, I have to be completely brutally honest. Absolute banger of an episode down. <laughs> <Alex. laughs> <laughs> Outstanding work, everybody. Great to have you back. Yeah, thanks, and, man. And like I said, Good we're gonna here. be we're gonna be on the road. I think Holmes is hopping out again to go elect some more senators. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.